And so to the sound waves of Star Trek. You are listening to Professor David Block. And I'd like to welcome you this afternoon to a brand new broadcast, which we trust will be unique, which we trust will be riveting, which we trust will take you to the cutting edge of your dreams. The show is entitled, the broadcast is entitled, Looking Up with David Block. And we'll be covering a vast sector of different topics. We'll be discussing astronomy. We'll be discussing entrepreneurship. We'll be discussing any subject which involves the grandness of and the awesomeness of looking up in wonder. And so today I wish to invite listeners to call me on a very special regarding a very special topic, and that topic is entitled You've Got to Know Where to Scratch. You've got to know where to scratch. I spend a vast amount of my time devoting devoted to encouraging and igniting the mindsets of people around the world. These may be people of 60 years old or of 20 years old or 15 years or 10 years old. But my dream on this globe is to encourage the discouraged. My dream on this planet is to help light people's candles. It was the great Plutarch who said that the mind is not a vessel to be filled, but a fire, a veritable fire to be lit. And so, just to kick off today's program, there are certain key truths. And unless you follow these key truths, your dreams will never be realized. Now, there are some key truths and some pythons which can actually detonate your vision. And why I've entitled today's first broadcast, You've Got to Know Where to Scratch, is the following. I'd like you to come with me to that glorious country of Namibia. And instead of going to northern Namibia, I'd like you to come with me to southern Namibia. And so we're going to travel with our imaginary 4x4 into the heart of the desert. But of course, not just any desert, the heart of the Sossusfle deserts. Now, I want you to picture the scene with me. You take your shoes off and the sand's blowing through one's feet. It is an awesome feeling. And then as the sun starts setting in the evening, and you gaze up at the glorious starry vaults of the Milky Way, the Via Lactea, somehow one's dreams become detonated within you. Somehow you connect with the cosmos and you literally feel a sense of purpose, of being. But there's something which really rivets my attention. 
And after I've explained this, I'd like to invite you all to call in on 0861-555-189. That's 0861-555-189. I know I have international listeners. They can call plus 27861-555-189. On Twitter, you can reach me at cliffcentral.com. On Instagram, Cliff Central. On Facebook, Cliff Central. The WeChat ID is Cliff Central. And so let's go back to standing in the desert at Sarsus Flay and beholding what we can see with our naked eye during the day. Now, I am a professor who adores photography. I love gazing up at the night sky, at the day skies, and to realize the awesomeness of the microcosm beneath us, and then, of course, the macrocosm, the cosmos, above us. But one thing which always rivets my attention is this. There are multitudes of dunes, of course, in the Sosasfle Desert, in the Namib Desert. There are multitudes of dunes. Now, if you look at a dune very, very carefully, you will find that every dune has like a knife edge. I like to call this the cutting edge. Every dune has a cutting edge. And the question which I ask multitudes of people around the world is this. How many tons of TNT would it take to move the cutting edge? And some people would say to me, well, Professor, I believe you'd need 10 tons of TNT. And others might say, well, Professor, I think you're going to need 100 tons of TNT. And some might say, well, you'll need 1,000 tons of TNT to move the cutting edge. But isn't that what you need to move in your life and mine? I see you listening to me across the globe, and I understand that you've got dreams. I understand you've got visions which have not yet seen the light of day. And the reason for that is, just like a dune has a cutting edge, so do you. But you might not be living and experiencing life at your cutting edge. So back to the dune analogy. You've got these multitudes of brownish, um, orange-colored dunes, and there's a cutting edge, a knife edge. And that is where you need to be. You are not born for eclipses. You are not born for small things. Listen, your life is not meant to be eclipsed. I say it again. Your life is not meant to be eclipsed. You need to live, as do I, at the windswept cutting edge. And there I've just said it all. The wind-swept cutting edge. In other words, the cutting edge always moves. And the reason that multitudes of people don't live at their cutting edge is because they're failing to realize that it's windswept. In other words, that the cutting edge is moving. You've got to learn how to move at the cutting edge. But then, of course, the question arises, how do I actually live my life 
to its full potential at the cutting edge. What does it really take to live at the cutting edge? And so I've devoted perhaps 20 or 30 years of research into this very, very field. You can read more about that on davidblock.co.za, davidblock.co.za. And I've spent multitudes of years on trying to help corporates and trying to help people and trying to help students live at their cutting edge. Let me give you one example. In the year 1984, I was invited to lecture at the University of Fort Hare in Alice. And it was a very, very difficult time, folk. Very difficult indeed. Buildings were going up in smoke and it was politically extremely volatile. But my mission, my purpose in being at the University of Fort Hare was to ignite the mindsets of tomorrow, to help people there at Fort Hare live at the cutting edge. Now, I'll never forget, there was one student in particular, and this student lived in a shack. He basically lived in a shack, and each time the winds would blow in Alice at the University of Fort Hare, each time that happened, He'd have to work out where best to place stones on the shack so that the roof didn't blow away. But I realized that here is a man who is born to scratch, who is born to be at the cutting edge, who's born to dream, who's born to live, who's born to break free, who's born to dream a life of um, creativity and a life of purpose, who's born to be bigger than the restricting circumstances of the university or at the University of Fort Hare. And so amongst all these myriads of students, I realized here was somebody unique. Here was a student I realized who is different. Yes, he did live in a shack. But I realized that the shack was not in his mind. Allow me to repeat that. The shack was not in his mind. His mind was the field that I could cultivate. I could implant certain key thoughts which would enable him to live at the cutting edge. And so week after week, month after month, I mentored this young man. I implanted within him, within him seeds of encouragement, scenes of grandeur, scenes of splendor, scenes that even though he's living in a shack, his mindset is not in the shack. And today, I'm very thrilled to say that this specific individual is the chairman of Investec Bank. So that is just one example of taking a dune, being at the cutting edge. But I want to know what is holding you back in your life? What is holding back? What, what are the things, the chains that are encapsulating you, that are shackling you? What are the chains that are Pythoning you 
and which are detonating your dreams and your visions. As we take a little break and play some music, remember to reach me now on 0861-555-189-0861-555-189 and then on Facebook, Cliff Central, WeChat, Cliff Central, Twitter, cliffcentral.com. And so I have a little WeChat from Nick. And Nick has got it spot on. Nick is a guy who's a visionary. I can see that. And on WeChat, Nick has uh, 
echoed and penned these words. You need to know where to scratch, Professor. Now, let me just elaborate on that, Nick, if I may. If you want to be a great legendary fisherman, for example, you should not stay and remain in Mahali City or Krugersdorp, where I was born. Why? Because there's no great oceans in Mahali City. There's a lot you can do in Krugersdorp or Mahali City, Nick. But uh, certainly when it comes to fishing, there is zero chance of you becoming a legend in fishing or in the fishing trade in Mohali City or in Krugersdorp. So your, the key phrase in your um, comment, Nick, is you need to know where, where, where. You need to know where to scratch. And so that is one of the key echelons, which you must understand, Nick, is if you do know where to scratch, you will move the cutting edge. Let me go back to the dune analogy. You've got the dunes and the wind is blowing and there's this cutting edge and it's just awesome. But where must you scratch to move the cutting edge? Well, if you just scratch at the base of the dune, of course, the cutting edge will never move. If you scratch on one of the sides of the dune, again, the cutting edge of the dune, that knife edge, will not move. In order to move the windswept cutting edge, you've got to get to the cutting edge. But you've got to move because... With a cutting edge, it's continuously, continuously wind-swept, meaning the wind is taking up the sand particles and streaming it along, and the cutting edge is an, a continuous state of movement. So, Nick, where to scratch? You've got to get to the cutting edge, and then you've got to do this at the cutting edge. And it's very simple. And thousands and millions of people can understand this. What you do when you're at the cutting edge is you simply scratch. Now, if you take a beetle, for example, in the, in the Namibian desert, and you place that beetle at the cutting edge, what will happen is the cutting edge, the windswept cutting edge, will move. I say it again. The windswept cutting edge will move. Beetles are incredibly gifted that way. A beetle does what it's only given to do. Beetles are born to scratch. Beetles have the talent. Beetles have the calling. Beetles have the passion to move the cutting edge by scratching. And so everybody hearing my voice is a beetle. Allow me to repeat that. Everyone hearing my voice and wanting to dial into 0861555189 is a beetle born to scratch. You've got certain talents. You've got certain dreams. You've got certain aspirations. And if I say to you that you're at your cutting edge, but you're not achieving your full potential, the reason is... You're not scratching hard enough. 
I say it to people around the world, including some of the world's largest corporates, as you can read on davidblockoneword.co.za. Some of the world's largest corporates have asked me to teach their clientele how to improve the scratching capability of that company. I have assisted with some of the world's largest organizations to double their profit margins. How does this work? Everyone is a beetle. Everyone born to scratch. But Nick, you've got it so clear. You've got to know exactly where to scratch. And on that note, we're going to have just a wee bit more music. Professor of Astronomy, I'd like to take you outside to a very special event, which is called a solar eclipse, and I want to show you how I link that up to the awesome power of living at the cutting edge. Now, let me just give you an example of what a total solar eclipse really is, and how you observe them, and where they occur. Of course, they are not rare by any means. But what really happens is the face of the moon moves in front of the sun and it enables astronomers to see those incredible flames on the sun called solar prominences. Now, a solar eclipse is a very, very, very special event because there you've got our closest star to the earth, the sun, and you've got the moon eclipsing the sun and it's incredible to think And here's the punchline, that a tiny piece of rock, the tiniest piece of rock called the moon, can can actually eclipse a vast star in our skies called the sun. Now, people would say to me, well, Prof, how do I relate that to my world? Well, let me put it to you this way. Remember, you can reach me on 0861-555-189. 0861 And if you think of this eclipse 
What is happening is that the tiniest of rocks is eclipsing the sun. And in your life and in my life, the tiniest little negative thought can eclipse your vision, can eclipse you from becoming what you are born to be. Allow me to say this again. You've got the sun, this huge star blazing away, losing four million tons of mass every second. One flame on the sun might be 40 earths high, even larger. But one rock, the moon, can eclipse the entire sun. I want to go straight to Stephen and have Steve as the very first guest on Looking Up with David Block. Hello. Hi, Steve. Hey, but, uh, how's it, sir? Fine, and how are you? I'm good, man. Uh, it's a great show that you're having. I'm enjoying the music, my brother. Good, 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 this, good, good, good. It's great stuff, huh? Yeah, yeah this show has been a long. It's been a long time coming for the show. Thank you. It's Thank so you, meaningful. Steve. It's good. so meaningful. It's like I, I've just found my purpose in life. Wow, that's awesome! You've just found your purpose in life. That fuses <laughs> me. That pumps me with passion, with energy, with joie de vivre. But that prop, is just wait, awesome. wait, prop, wait. When I look around me, Prof, I feel so worthless. It's like I'm an underachiever. It's like I could never live up there in the mountains. I'm still stuck here in my dirty home and my filthy parents. So, Steve, what is your dream, basically? Yeah, briefly, what is your dream? My, my dream... What would you Prof, like to become? Where would you like to be? My, my, I always think of myself as like a superman and I can save everyone around the world. That's, yes. that's my dream. Honestly, I want to save, I want to make the world a better place. Yes. How well, can I do? You know, the wonderful thing is this. You can't save all the fish in the ocean, but what you can do is you can save one fish at a time, a yes. one endangered species. If you think of the rhinos, for example, in the Kruger National Park, you can't save them all, but what you can do is you can save one at a time. And one I would die. I would encourage you to start small. Start with meeting a group of people. Meet with them weekly. Encourage but, prof, them. These people don't want to listen. How do you get through to these people? Ah, okay, that's brilliant. Yeah, you see, passion is never ever taught. Passion is caught. People will watch you. You have to be the person you want others to be. You have to set the example. You have to set the flame afire. You have wait, to wait, live. Prof. So I must be the change I want to see that, in the world. Oh, that's beautiful, Steve. You've just said it all. You could. I can't say it any better. You, Steve, are born to be the best that you can be. You bought, let me tell you this, Steve, you are not born for eclipses. You have to be the change you want others to be. Thank God for you, Professor. Thank you, my brother. Well, it is a great honor to be here and to encourage people like Steve to scratch at the veritable cutting edge. We're going to move on now to Gavin, who's Gavin Webb, who's actually calling a long way away from Germany. And I, hi, Gavin. Hi, hi, David. How are you doing? 
Fine. It's just so wonderful. You know, I just want to tell the listeners about you very quickly, if I may. Gavin Webb is calling from Germany. And Gavin used to be one of my precious students at the University of the Witwatersrand. Where are you at the moment, Gavin? Um, I think we're about 40 kilometers south of Strasbourg. We've yes. just come off the autobahn. We're on our way back from Switzerland. Well, you must give Carla, your dear wife, my very best regards. It's just awesome to know that there you are traveling uh, in the regimes of Switzerland and Germany and following this broadcast. Yes, uh, thank you. Well, Carla's next to me in the car, David. <laughs> that is just so. awesome. Tell me, Gavin, <laughs> what do you remember? What, from all the lectures I ever gave in astronomy, could you perhaps summarize to our listeners what key theme you saw in me, perhaps, which encouraged you to reach where you are today? Uh, well, I suppose a passion. Yes. Um, and and I, I think you always ask me so many, many difficult questions um, <laughs> that I battled to answer and probably still do when, I, when we met again last year. Yes. Um, I suppose just the desire to continue to learn and do yes. things better. I think that that is just awesome to realize that we've never ever reached it all, Gavin. There's always, there are always ways of moving the cutting edge. Now, within your own business, you obviously, and the health profession and so on, you obviously have cutting edges to move. Would you agree with the Beetle analogy that you've got to know where to scratch? There's some domains and regions which just won't work, and you've got to leave those and go and scratch in those uh, echelons where you are born to scratch. Is that how you see yourself functioning in the United Kingdom? Well, I'm, I'm not exactly sure what you mean, because I didn't hear the start of your program, unfortunately. I couldn't pick that up. Yes. But I, if, I'm, if I'm kind of understanding yes. it correctly, I suppose not, not everything works. And, yes. and sometimes you find yourself up against a bit of a dead end. And, I mean, as, well, we work, as you know, within the National Health Service in, yes. in the UK, which, which is a very, very tough area to work in. I mean, I, I think working with any government institution, but finding the right thing at the right time and, and just and also not giving up. I mean, sometimes it seems so futile and so hard to, to bring about change. Yes. Um, and to try and sell your ideas and your vision. Um, but, but, you know, persistence does pay off, I think, in a lot of situations, yes. a lot of times. Yes. Um, but, but I suppose you've got to be pragmatic about it and you've got to decide whether, you know, you do have the right thing or whether you need to look for something different. Now, tell me, Gavin, I mean... You wake up on in a morning or on morning and you've got Carla next to you and you sort of uh, realize that persistence in your specific field with the National Health Service is just critical. But suppose you wake up on a day and you're not really feeling motivated. Uh, what advice would you give people here in South Africa uh, you know, they might wake up and say, well, today is just another day. The sun is rising in the east and setting in the west. And there you are. You have taken on an incredible challenge with the National Health Service. You've just succeeded so brilliantly. What advice would you give someone like Stephen who might not want to get up out of bed in the morning? Um, 
I mean, you're absolutely right. I mean, that that, that does happen <laughs> more frequently than I would than I would like it to. And and I think a couple of things that help. Um, one is, is is having a business partner who who can share your dream and share your enthusiasm. Yes. And then when when one of you's up, the other one's down, and you right. you kind of prop each other up and keep each other going. And the other thing is is seeing the, the fruits of your success and um, being out yes. there with, with our customers and seeing our customers using our software on a day-to-day basis yes. is an incredibly exciting thing. Yes. Um, so there are, there are lots of positives and you, like, you've just got to, got to look for them and be aware of them. So would you say that in your field, uh, Gavin, uh, teamwork is absolutely essential? That, In other words, it's like, would you agree with my analogy that it's almost like a rugby scrum, but it's not so much strength in numbers, but strength in visionaries. I've always argued that you don't need a scrum of 20 or 40 people. You just perhaps need two visionaries side by side working together, and the rest is history. We certainly seem to have lost Gavin as he's traversing the borders of uh, Germany and Switzerland. But do remember to give me a call on 0861 You're listening to Professor David Block. The program is entitled Looking Up with David Block. And I'll be covering vast echelons and domains of interest from the macrocosms of the starry vaults of the Milky Way to the microcosms of you and your dreams and your visions. And I'd love to hear from more people such as Gavin and such as Stephen, people who are perhaps entrepreneurs, who are trying to explore the echelons of cosmic space and of cosmic time, but yet need a little bit of advice, as Stephen did, to learn how to actually rise above his circumstances and reach the impossible. While you are dialing in to 0861-555-189, I'd like to just take you to another key thought. There was a young boy, and this young boy looked at the moon. And this young boy was about in standard 8 or grade 10. And he, went, he climbed up a tree and he looked at the moon. And in his mindset came these thoughts. I want to be the man who places humankind on the moon. Let me repeat. I want to be the man, the person who places mankind on the moon and of course his name was Robert Goddard and so he was asked to give a little chat at his graduation ceremony he was asked just to make a little speech in high school and what he actually said riveted my attention he said this this is a quote from Robert Goddard It is difficult to say what is impossible, for the dream of yesterday is the hope of today and the reality of tomorrow. Let me repeat that because it's just so powerful. It is just so awesome. 
It is difficult to say. It is difficult to say what is impossible. For the dream of yesterday is the hope of today and the reality of tomorrow. And so you have a transition from the dream to the reality. And I believe many people are still living in their dream arena. But allow me to repeat for a third time the words of Robert Goddard. It is difficult to say what is impossible. For the dream of yesterday is the hope of today and the reality of tomorrow. And of course, I'll never forget that magic moment in July 1969 when mankind, uh, Neil Armstrong, actually placed his foot on the lunar surface. Man, for the very first time, had landed on the moon. But how did it happen? Yeah, you've got this awesome uh, neighbor, if you like, the moon. How did it actually happen that we landed there? Well, it took a dream. It took a visionary of someone who said it's difficult to say what is impossible. It took a visionary by name Robert Goddard, and I uh, urge you to look at Robert Goddard on Wikipedia and any other of the media. Robert Goddard, G-O-D-D-A-R-D. And it took this man, this young boy, if you like, Robert Goddard, it took his dream, it took his vision, and in 1969, I'll never forget, listening on the radio, and mankind, Neil Armstrong, had landed on the moon. So that's a beautiful example of someone simply being a visionary, scratching at their cutting edge, and uh, the rest became history. Feel free to reach me on your on uh, WeChat at Cliff Central, on the telephone lines at 861 Triple five one eight nine. That's zero eight six one triple five one eight nine. Twitter at cliffcentral.com. Instagram cliffcentral. Facebook cliffcentral. And the WeChat ID is also cliffcentral. To reach me, you can reach me uh, on Twitter at Starry Galaxy Man. At Starry Galaxy Man on Twitter and the Facebook feed. Uh, my web feed, rather, is David Block, D-A-V-I-D-B-L-O-C-K dot coza dot C-O dot Z-A. But I'd love to hear from you in the last 15 to 17 minutes to know how I can help you translate grand astronomical truths into your world and into mine. We're going to take a tiny little break with some more music.
as we come to the last 15 minutes of Looking Up with David Block, I'd like us to focus on one final thought. And that thought is really the following. Remember, you can reach me on 0861-555-189. Now, the quote that I wish to share from you is a quote which really revolutionized my life and the way I perceived life and the way I lived my life. And uh, that really is the following. It's a quote by Marcel Proust, uh, P for Peter, R-O-U-S-T. And Marcel Proust actually penned these words. And I quote, The real voyage of discovery consists not in seeking new landscapes, but in having new eyes. I repeat, The real voyage of discovery consists not in seeking new landscapes, but in having new eyes. Now the question is, people and parents especially say, well, shouldn't my child go to Harvard University or Princeton University to really scratch at the cutting edge? Well, of course, it's a very interesting question. And it's a question which I've contemplated many, many times. And I've come to the realization that it does not matter where you are on this globe. For example, here I am in South Africa, and I realize that the miracle of staying at the cutting edge is not in seeking new landscapes. There's no need for me to continuously travel to Harvard or to Celtic. I do not have to continue seeking new landscapes, but there's a but. But... I must have a pair of new eyes. Now, what does it mean to have a pair of new eyes? Let's take four neurosurgeons. They're all gifted, but one is especially gifted. And they have a look at these uh, MRI scans. And neurosurgeon number one would say, well, I see this tumor. And surgeon number two, neurosurgeon number two would say, well, I see this specific morphology in this tumor, and so on. But one of the neurosurgeons might actually say, I see the tumor and I know how to take it out. You see, that's a question of having new eyes. I remember once making a discovery with a team abroad and people asked me, how come we did it and not teams from Harvard or Celtic or elsewhere on this globe? And the reason is very simple, as my students would tell our dear listeners today, is that there's a voyage. It's a voyage of discovery. But the real voyage of discovery is not always seeking more money or more grants or more research vistas or more arenas and thus forth. The real voyage of discovery always consists in having a new pairs of eyes. And so I'd like to ask you this afternoon, are you on a voyage? First of all, the answer is obviously yes. You are on some sort of voyage. But the question I want to ask you is this. 
Is the voyage real? Is it leading somewhere? Or as Stephen commented, is it trapping you? Where is, where are you in your voyage? There are voyages, there are fictitious voyages, and then there are real voyages. And so what you need to ask yourself today is this. Am I traversing the roads of a real voyage? And then is it a voyage of monotony or is it a voyage of discovery? I've asked a very important question there. Is it a voyage of discovery or is it a voyage of monotony? I would say that of the multitudes of people I lecture to, a very small percentage, maybe two or three percent, are actually each day getting out of bed on a voyage of discovery. The other 97% are getting out uh, out on their beds, out of their beds on voyages of monotony. And the reason one does step out of a bed of monotony is because we are not having what Marcel Proust has encouraged us to have the real voyage of discovery consists not in seeking new landscapes but in having new eyes i have found and one of the great privileges of being at the university of the Vatersrand, headed by our uh, beloved vice chancellor professor adam abib is this is that he's given our university leadership pairs of new eyes Professor Abib, who will be my guest soon on this radio broadcast, does indeed show us how to have pairs of new eyes. And you know, it's wonderful working with someone like Professor Habib, who is a true visionary. These visionaries are very interesting to watch. They also do not always seek new landscapes. They don't always seek to be at different places, A, B, C, D, and E. They don't, do not always seek to be at different institutes or different universities at any given time. But what they are absolutely gifted at doing is giving their leadership pairs of new eyes. In other words, different ways of seeing how to challenge the problems of tomorrow. Much what Nick said earlier on WeChat, you've got to know, as Nick actually said, you need to know where to scratch. And so, as we bring this show to its finale, I'd like to ask you some very personal issues, pertinent questions, uh, which you can then sleep on and we can address in future broadcasts. But It really is this. What rock is eclipsing your vision? Allow me to give you the analogy again of a lunar, of a solar eclipse and the face of the moon obscuring that of the sun. All it takes is the smallest of rocks, the moon, to eclipse a large star, the sun. Are you living in darkness? Are you living in the shadow of an eclipse? Are you finding, like Stephen did, that he couldn't break out of the eclipse, the the shadow of this solar eclipse? Are you living under 
the very dark domains of a solar eclipse. If so, you must realize that with a solar eclipse, there's only one reason that the sun becomes temporarily blinded or decrease in intensity, and that is because a tiny little piece of rock is eclipsing the sun. I'll never forget I had a student, I think her name was Jennifer, I cannot recall exactly. And Jennifer said to me, Professor, every time I do your course, my test mark is around 30%, and I just want to jump off the nearest building. I said to her, sit down in my office. She said to me, Professor, allow me to repeat this. Every time I write one of your tests, I know I'll get 30%. I'm not gifted to be an applied mathematician. I just feel like jumping off the closest building. And so I realized that this person was living in a land of desolation, a land of eclipses, much like the moon eclipses the sun. And I said to her, Jennifer, sit down. And she did. And the most amazing miracle panned out before my eyes. Here was Jennifer wanting to jump off the closest building. But my calling was to create in Jennifer a different mindset. Allow me to elaborate. I wanted to encourage Jennifer to realize that she's a star born to shine. I wanted Jennifer to realize that she's born for bigger things. She said, Prof, I want to jump off a building. I said, Jennifer, you're a star. She said, Prof, I really want to just end it all. I said, Jennifer, you are born for bigger things. I, she said, Prof, just I want to end it all. I said, Jennifer, you are going to achieve the impossible. She said, Professor, how? I said, let me mentor you. Let me teach you. Let me teach you a new way of thinking. Let me teach you a new way of looking at your problems. I said to her, what would Tiger Woods say if he's going to tee off? Would he say, I just can't do it? I want to just jump off the closest building? No. Tiger Woods would be passionate about his next game, right? And he'd tee off with passion and with vigor and with a sense of destiny and with a sense of purpose. And so a student of mine, Robert Gruce, is now a doctor, and I worked with Jennifer over a period of some months. And Jennifer really wanted to give up, as I've said many times already. She just wanted to throw in the towel. But every time she wanted to throw in the towel, I came and said, Jennifer, you are a star. Jennifer, you are God's star. Do not give up. Jennifer, do not give in to these pythons, these negative thoughts which are detonating your vision. And she started listening to me and she said, Prof, really, am I a star? I said, absolutely so, Jennifer. She said, Prof, really, can I actually start doing applied mathematics? And I said, well, just like that solar eclipse, Jennifer, never give up. This, the moon will move out of the path of the sun and the sun will shine forth brilliantly and radiate forth splendidly in all its glory and splendor. And gradually, step after step, Jennifer followed my advice. And perhaps one of the most moving stories was that in September 
When Jennifer came to write her finals, Jennifer scored about 70% for applied maths. So here was someone who was wanting to end it all, who was wanting to jump off the nearest building, who saw no future, who saw no hope, who didn't see a reason for actually living. And we were able to encourage Jennifer to reach for the impossible, to say, as Robert Goddard said, it is difficult to say what is impossible, for the dream of yesterday is the hope of today. It is difficult to say what is impossible. And today, Jennifer, as she's now a graduate and graduated from one of our finest universities, the University of the Witwatersrand in Johannesburg, Jennifer would always look back to those dark days. And all it took was to sit Jennifer down in my offices and for us to recreate within her being, within her mindset, thoughts of creativity, thoughts of purpose, thoughts that she's born to dream. She's born to reach the echelons, the upper echelons, heights in applied mathematics. And I'll never forget her face. I can never forget the face of Jennifer when she took her exam script. And there it was, 70%, almost a first class pass. And that coming from a student who was scoring around 30%. Folk, if I tell you that I teach active and conformally active symmetries in metrically automorphic space-times, admitting linear collineations, that wouldn't turn you on. But listen to me. It works. Whatever I teach, provided it's clothed with new eyes, provided it's closed, provided the vision is clothed with new landscapes, provided you have new ways of looking at things that takes you to the stars. Wow, James Bailey comes up on uh, WeChat and he says, I vow to thee, my country, in the background. Spine chilling. Well, James, that's the reason why I'm in Africa. I feel so at one when I place my feet on African soil, whenever I go to the bush, uh, I feel much like your calling. I vow to thee, my country, spine-chilling. The real voyage of discovery consists in having new eyes.